0: Welcome to Perspectives, YYC, the podcast. In today's episode, I got to sit down with Jessica Jansen. She's the founder of the Love for Lewiston Foundation, a charitable foundation dedicated to raising awareness of SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. Tragically, Jessica lost her second child to SMA when he was just six months old. But we learn how she was able to take this tragedy and turn it into a force of hope. Thank you, Jessica, for your time And I hope you all enjoy the conversation as much as I had recording it. So I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about. I like I just, it. I just thought uh, we'd visit. Have a combo. Yeah yeah, yeah. that's um, my style. So usually I ask folks um, kind of like how we met. but I, this one's a little bit more common I mean it's too I hell. forced
1: you to take a picture in my driveway <laughs> while your wife helped me declutter my house wow. and spark more joy. I think yeah. was that the first time I met you?
0: No, I think no. the first time I met you was probably at the Calgary Home show.
1: Oh, right. Because yeah. you used
0: to host, the, you yeah. were like the MC. Mm-hmm. You were quite commanding. But I, I don't know, was that the first time you met Helen? And then
1: the other time I met you was at Little Modern Market. Oh, when yeah. you had um, Prince. I want to say it was like the weekend after or something.
0: It was pretty close.
1: Or the weekend before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: As I'm learning to be more positive, um, so that wasn't a terrible experience. It was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fascinating market to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Very girly. Yeah, definitely not my... Demographic, at least I was presenting myself that night, because uh, I didn't know at that day, because I still don't know anything about how to present myself correctly, but I was doing curated, and then we did a outside one by Rosso, and then we did a little modern, modern mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, oh my God, like...
1: Yeah. It's a mom market. Yeah. It's like strollers and carriers and babies and moms that want to support local moms who are hustling. And it's yeah. great.
0: I mean, it's busy. They're yeah. doing really well. And yeah. uh, and all of the other trades people are great. It's just my stuff at the time was very unrefined and very like dark.
1: <laughs> and a niche market.
0: <laughs> and a niche market. Like
1: for yeah. that group. Yeah, yeah for totally. sure. Yeah.
0: So that's kind of that. Um, and then I just thought as I'm going through this, Helen told me that I'm coming to the uh, Love for and event this year yes. instead of just kind of like she goes and I just yeah, yeah. take care of Emerson. So we're going to sit here. So then uh, in talking about that, because she told me she got tickets and I just assumed she was going to bring. I didn't bring, even know she got tickets. Yeah, I, I just assumed she was going to bring somebody else. Yeah.
1: Girlfriend. Yeah. Girls I know.
0: Yeah. Like Anna Ronda or somebody. And then she's like, no, it's like we're going. I'm like, can we both go? Is it like on a. Tuesday while Emerson's at school and she's like no like we're just gonna go I'm
1: like cool it's the party of
0: the century yeah last year I mean you know, I wasn't there but I do I was working with Rodney's and uh, oh, Brad right. Brad was like that was a crazy <laughs> yeah
1: I was like Brad just you know I'm probably gonna fill this over capacity yeah. I'm also gonna shoot off colored confetti cannons that are gonna stay in your marble counters <laughs> and there's gonna be a lot happening in me he's like yeah okay and then I think at the end of the night he's like oh you were actually serious on everything you said
0: yeah 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 it's cool like I I remember hearing that you got in there and that space is beautiful. Stunning. That re- that restaurant's insane. I had a cool staff, really nice people that worked there
1: too. Mm-hmm. A Did lot you- of the same guys are working the party again. We were just there for a planning meeting and they're like, we can't wait for Lewis and Sparty.
0: Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, was good. It, and so it was like, they were actually there and working, working. Oh yeah. yeah there's yeah. food and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: That's kind of the intro <laughs> Well, welcome to Perspectives. Thank you yeah. for having me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I was thinking about, I've been kind of being propositioned a little bit about um, sort of challenged really about what Perspectives is really about. Mm-hmm. And like people, uh, I was taken out for coffee last Thursday by a painter, Jessica Braz, and she just like driving at this question, like, why, why, why? Um, I still don't really have an answer, but I was thinking about this concept of change um, a little bit negatively. I think I come off that way, um, more like complaining about where we are and mm. saying like these other problems, but I wanted to talk about perhaps where we were and how we got through it and where we're intending to go. That's mm. ambiguous. So maybe give me an idea about, um, you and, uh, like, are you from Calgary? What were you doing before you were in event planning, uh, Public figure, you know, where, where say, do you come from?
1: I wouldn't say public figure. <laughs> um, my story is, I think, pretty awesome. I am from a farm, um, just outside of Winnipeg, and at the young old age of twenty one, I decided um, I had broken up with uh, my uh, next door neighbor crush, like kind of end of high school sweetheart. We didn't go to the same high schools, but we were four years apart and um i was like through and through diehard winnipegger um or or just like outside of winnipeg and i was like i'm never gonna move and once we broke up i was like oh my gosh like world's my oyster so young single and able 300 bucks in my bank account (laughs) i moved out here no job no real plan and that was in 2006 in fall october 17th i drove into the city and i remember we my girlfriend had found us a place to rent And uh, I remember being like, oh my gosh, there's a hill to my house because I'm from the prairies and like they do not exist. And it was amazing and crazy and great. And I had these massive dreams, but probably really shy um, to share them or show them from the rooftops and had expectations that were probably very unrealistic for like a 21, 22 year old at the time. And eventually found my way, went through a bunch of jobs, you know, a bunch of kind of crazy transitions. And then really started, well, I think what really kept me here in 2009, I started working at Dugo Juice, which is a local Calgary company at their head office. Um, I think I did really well there, really advanced my career. I met my husband there. We were we were co-workers and hated each other at the time, um, which totally changed after he went through some major trauma and life changes, and then married him, and we worked together, lived together, <laughs> played together, like all the things, and I got headhunted to a software company. Uh, in 2013. And I took it because it was lots of money and I thought it was what I wanted to climb a corporate ladder and have the office and travel and do all the things. And then almost a year later, I realized I hate it, was probably headed for a divorce and I wasn't passionate about the work, super unhappy. And so four days before my 30th birthday, I typed up a resignation letter It was August long weekend. Uh, I was turning 30 in in four days, and I was like, I hate my life. Like, I hate it. I'm like unhappy. I'm grumpy. My marriage is suffering. And I quit my job, found out I was pregnant, had an $18,000 plumbing bill. (laughs) Me and my husband almost separated. We worked through all of that, had our daughter, then got pregnant with our son, and then – Our son got diagnosed with a rare genetic disease, which was terrible, and he passed uh, at six months old, just three days shy of a six-month birthday, and that for me probably was like the launching pad of living the most authentic, epic, full life I could picture. And I always tell people in losing my son, I for sure have found my path and my true purpose, and that is kind of like jessica jansen and i don't know a 10 to 15 year synopsis in five minutes so right. yeah
0: no that's uh, a good uh, is there still cole's notes well <laughs> yeah, yeah those good cole's notes yeah i know it's fascinating listening to that story and i've been thinking about this uh, too because i've uh, gone through some uh, personal changes as well But how when we reflect now how your current personality will describe that so for example all I heard throughout that entire story is is change. It's Mm -hmm. like, uh, this event happened, I had to get out of Winnipeg. This event happened, I got to this job. Mm -hmm. This event happened. So you're constantly trying to find something. Mm -hmm. But I wonder in the moment when you're living those moments. So for example, I was going to ask like, uh, like, why did you choose Calgary? Was it just, that's where people were going? Like, why not Toronto? Why not Vancouver? Was there something specific about Calgary that dro- drove you out here initially?
1: So I know you're from Toronto, so I don't want to offend anyone if they listen to this from Toronto. No, I, uh, the company I'd worked for at the time, I spent a lot of time in Toronto and I didn't love it. Yeah, Like, I remember landing and I'd be like, how am I stuck in traffic? It's 8.45 at night and like, it's still bumper to bumper. And I remember being there in summer and it being really smoggy and I was like, whoa, Vancouver was nice, but it didn't resonate home, so I had traveled a lot for work. And I don't know, there was something, maybe it was because my best friend had secured a job here and we came out at Stampede and had a blast. I don't know, honestly, it was kind of like, I can still drive home from Calgary in a day, like you can do it in a one day car trip. It's an easy flight and it just was a place I'd never spent a lot of time, whereas Vancouver and Toronto, I'd spent more time for work. And I hadn't fallen in love yet being like, I have to move here. So I think it was a little bit fluke, a little bit random, and then a little bit of having a great time at Stampede.
0: I, as an ex-Torontonian, although I'm trying to learn to be more peaceful about uh, my past, but yeah. I would never move back. I um, I love Calgary. I, I think there's something about this city that's, I don't know, welcoming. Ugh. There's something Yeah, definitely entrepreneurial, something that, seems to encourage whether it's change or just, you know, doing, doing something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I tell the story a little bit, like, uh, in Toronto, I've had an experience where I would hold doors open for people and they wouldn't go in, you know, like, as if I might do jump do on them for yeah. a free piggyback or something. I, I don't know what it was going through their heads. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, in Calgary, it's it's like, it's just, you know, I walk down the street, I say hi to everybody, I pet dogs. There's just something, there's a tone of a small town a little bit, although apparently it's fading, but people who haven't lived in larger cities don't mm-hmm. see that comparative thing yet. But it's still, there's still a lot of sort of well corporate, but also kind of uh, you know, urban mm-hmm. and uh, city stuff here. But it's fascinating because you've been to all of these places, even as uh, work trips, and you, you got that feel.
1: I can't say enough good things. We've gotten to see the best parts of the community, of local, of support, and I literally can't rave enough about how fantastic this city is and the people within it and the generosity like people are for each other in this city especially when you get connected to the right groups of people and plugged in like people want you to succeed they want to succeed and having people rise up and support your dreams and like show up again and again there's just something magical about this city where it's not like you versus me so I really really dig that part about the city. I like, I I'm glowing. Cause I just love how incredible the city is and the people that I've met. Um, I have like true friends who've turned into family here.
0: Another thought that came to, I was just at Sunfound Roasters, great coffee place. Um, and the owners, I was talking to Caleb and Kitty and Kitty told me, um, we were having a conversation of this line and she's like, there's something about Calgary where, uh, all these other business owners will want to give you advice on how they run their business. So for mm. example, when I meet a photographer, they'll tell me how they shot this or what equipment they used. And in big cities, you don't really get that. And she said, um, her reflection on that was that Calgary has this larger percentage, it feels like, of people that have struggled to try to do something different. So they all have shared how hard that is. Mm-hmm. And that's there's a, there's a community aspect here in that world. I mean, that you're sitting in front of me even is something I don't think happens.
1: Oh, the (laughs) community is amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's kind of neat. So going through, coming here, having all these different types of jobs, corporate jobs, tech of all things, Jugo Juice tech, Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, do you know, maybe even in reflection, like what was it you think that was missing there? Was there something about that lifestyle, about, you know, making money nine to five or, you know, usually those jobs are like seven to six, whatever. Mm -hmm, the grind, the stress on your family. I mean, do you know, is there any kind of a specific thing you think that was not fitting yet and now you feel alleviated of it?
1: So interesting enough, I I'm, I think I'm pretty smart and I go into things very methodically, not always, if you look at some of my life on Instagram, but um, I'm really fortunate to have great mentors, especially my parents. And, you know, my dad and mom have done an amazing job of coaching us and asking all the right questions. So I did a lot of pre-interviews leading up to going and getting hired with SAP. I mean, the salary was for sure dangling. Um, they run the NFL uh, portfolio and platform for all of their like tech, and they're now breaking into the NHL. And my husband's a huge sports scorer, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this will be amazing. We'll move to California. I'm going to run like the division. And anyway, so pipe dreams. But I think it was like there was actual warning signs along the way. I did an interview with one of the guys on the sales team, and he says – don't do it and I was like what he goes it's a shark eat shark world he's like it's it's grinding it's grueling and I took that as him like not wanting me to succeed and just being like oh you're just a dumb blonde like you're gonna sell I mean I have blonde hair boobs like kind of typical sales girl like if you're calling a spade a spade I when if I do sell stuff I sell it based on relationship and my experience And when I got on with the company, it was like, Calgary was booming, it was like the glory days. And everyone in that company was so money hungry that I think they had lost their sense of purpose along the way. They're there for a paycheck, they're there for the next vacation. But when I started to like sit back and analyze why I was unhappy, it was like, this person is a dog walker, has a nanny, has a house cleaner. Like, I don't even know if they're living in their life. Like, they're just existing. And for all the money in the world, we have struggled more financially in the last couple of years than ever before because we started a nonprofit and um, I wasn't getting paid but myself and my husband, we've never been happier and more peaceful in who we are and in, and in our purpose. And it just goes to show you like money is fleeting. And I think I was chasing a carrot. I think I was chasing in my head, like this, if we do these things, I'm going to be able to drive this car. If we do these things, we're going to be able to buy this house in this neighborhood. And all of that is just stuff. And it doesn't mean anything if you actually, at the end of the day, don't love what you do, don't find purpose in it. And you're just coexisting for a paycheck. And I've found such freedom in being like, one of my number one, I think, pet peeves is like when people are stuck in a life that they don't love, but they just keep going in it. And you can do anything, be anything. You just have to have the balls to take the leap of faith. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect and work out. Um, But if you work hard enough for it, anything's possible. And I just remember feeling so free. Um, It was so hard. I left there. I went to a Starbucks like down the block and just bawled, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's all worked out and in an amazing way. And it hasn't come quickly or easily, but as it unfolds, you're like, man, I'm glad I got out of it.
0: And My first thought well, uh, is this sort of semantic, this sort of culture where... You know, we, for example, Calgary will idolize 2008, 2009 as the glory days because everybody's making money.
1: 2013 or, was the same way. Right. right.
0: And I think that directional thing, whether it's capitalism of itself or human nature, or whatever, this idea of like needing. Visible wealth, almost. It's Mm -hmm. like everything's for other people. It's Mm -hmm. like I got to show people that I got my S class. It's not like I enjoy driving and I understand the engineering behind this vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I'm gonna go uh, cornering on a on a mountaineering highway because that's what some of them are designed to do. It's it's more like uh, I I need a five thousand square foot house because you know it's weird.
1: Someone asked me I drove a Mazda three at the time and had no car payments, and uh, they're like, "You're gonna get a new vehicle, right?" I was like, well, why? I'm like, I don't have any car payments. They're like, you can't show up to client meetings in that because hmm. everyone drove a Mercedes, an Audi, or a BMW. <laughs> and I was like, Lord God almighty, that's exhausting. Hmm. Like just trying to keep up with that. And I found great freedom in letting go of what people think about you.
0: I like, And that's the thing, even with the, uh, <laughs> the five-minute biopic in your reflection, like, it feels like you've always been searching for this sort of like spiritual expression to find out what you're really supposed to be doing, whatever that means. They mm-hmm. all constantly change. And yeah, your life seems to give you these challenges that you're like, "All right. Next, <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of, like you said, getting caught in this grind, mm-hmm. maybe this baby boomer mentality that as long as you make it to the end and survive to your 65, that's good enough. Whereas our generation is kind of like, well, you know, maybe we won't, you know, a lot of people don't make 65. Why am I gambling my entire daily energy even on this dream that in 25 years I'll be uh, able to sit on a bench?
1: (laughs) When you've had to face death, we faced it with my husband's um, dad. He passed away at 51. Mm. And then four years later, our son, it shifts your perspective like just to do something to do it because you think you have to is not the way that you should live. There's a certain sense of responsibility and I think um, making smart decisions, but also knowing that life is fleeting and short and you truly get to choose your outcome. My husband used this analogy, he said it's um, event plus your response equals your outcome. So how you choose to respond to things will be what your outcome is and you can choose to stay stuck you can choose to stay grumpy you can choose to stay mad you can choose all those things or you can choose to like even death with both my um, father-in-law and my son we've said like no we're going to choose joy we're going to use this as purpose and it's like a total shift and you change that and your whole world will change
0: I was walking down uh, and just mumbling to myself, which is the best part of having no license is I spent a lot of time in my own head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably too much.
0: <laughs> and I was just thinking about, uh, for me in that moment today, was about the word will mm-hmm. and how it can be sort of connected to this ethereal idea, almost like spirit. But then I was like, no, it's a verb. Like willpower is just, I choose what I will do today and how I will react to this or act or proact or whatever. So I have to stop getting caught up in this suffering mentality where, like, I'm stuck and it's everybody else's fault and, you know, mm-hmm. everything's shit and I'm just going to lie down on the floor. Uh, I haven't gone through sort of like this, yeah, not sort of, a suicidal depression and doing all that stuff um, that I think it was described in a TED Talk as depression being nullity where you just, you're just stuck. It's not even sadness. It's just nothing has any meaning. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go out and just make something of it mm-hmm. uh, and express yourself. I mean, uh, it's probably spoken a lot about, of course, but I mean, what is that, yeah, facing death concept been like for you uh, to go through 51 is one thing, your son is another, um, mm-hmm. and now how how many years has it been? It's been It'll be
1: three years in November, yeah. Three. yeah. And
0: now that we're here in reflection and uh, you're making another one, you're baking another one. I'm hoping
1: my water breaks during our podcast right now. Are you like... I'm close. I'm 17 days out. Oh, shit. So like anything (laughs) could happen. Oh, my God. I know. I'm sitting and I'm pretty comfortable. So I don't don't think you have to worry about my water breaking, but it would be awesome if it did. Just be done.
0: Yeah. When Helen went through uh, uh, creating Emerson, uh, man, like I thought I was all like liberal and cool, but... When you see what women actually go through, endure, are a capable of, uh, it started me on this journey where like, I'm like, I don't fucking know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is Mm. quite the journey, but Mm. it's good. So...
0: Yeah, it's been yeah. okay this time around?
1: Um, this has been my toughest. So this is my third pregnancy. And I was sick until about 30 weeks. Oh, wow. Um, which really sucked because my others, I kind of like first trimester. And then you're like, oh, second trimester, dreamy. And second trimester, my husband, we call him Hot Ronnie. He'd come home. And he's like, what's for dinner, babe? And then I'd be like, "I just like burst into tears because I was so nauseous. I had migraines. It just was so uncomfortable. And so he's like, okay, I'll be making dinner again. So- <laughs> At tougher than the others I finally am feeling really good um, which is lo- lovely for the last little bit especially as we push for our busiest season in fundraising for our foundation but we're excited we don't know what we're having but we got the baby tested and it's healthy and that like was the biggest blessing so I've just hung on to that and I know so many females that would die to be in the position to be able to carry a baby of their own so you just 40 weeks it's short-lived once you're out of it. So when you're in it, not short-lived, but no, when you're course. out of it, yeah, it's short-lived.
0: Yeah, time's funny like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, even uh, Emerson's turning five in May. Isn't it that crazy? Doesn't make any sense. He's like getting up with me today. He's up at five, climbed the shelf, got his uh, his forbidden iPad, mm-hmm. got food for himself, and you're like, and he, he they fit in the palm of your hand when they mm-hmm. come up. Essentially, yeah, it's like. Another
1: miniature like adults who like know what they want and have opinions. My daughter will be like, Okay, mom, here's our options. Option one. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm like, isn't this supposed to be the fight we have when you're fifteen? Now when you're Mm -hmm. five? Like Mm -hmm. fuck. Like I'm it's exhausting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) And
0: the girls are generally like yeah, more I don't want to say smarter. There's a thing but yeah, they in, they develop intellectually a little bit quicker. So. I would
1: agree with that statement.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the argument is that you must get it. I mean, ever since uh, yeah, a little a little non-binary in that way. He's not he's not he doesn't run with a stick and try to stab everybody as yeah. a game. I think that's kind of scary culturally. But, but yeah, if we had a girl and she was like doing this when she was three, I don't know, I'd probably be burnt out even more by now.
1: Yeah, Oh, it's crazy. <laughs>
0: um, anyways. <clears throat> Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, facing uh, death is such a dramatic, I mean, it is dramatic in your case because it actually happened. Mm -hmm. But any kind of challenging um, life or death event, I mean, what is that doing for your clear, it's clearly of a change mentality. You're looking for something and then these traumatic events happen in your life. And then how are you able to focus that into the work that you're doing now without kind of getting blown into oblivion or it becoming like sometimes literally, you know, breaking or will breaking. I mean, what, mm-hmm. is there a, what was that kind of like? I can't even imagine how to ask, I don't even know how to ask that question. There's mm-hmm. so much, so many things to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many layers. And then I think you can also look at it really, really simply. So I always tell people we got the gift of knowing our son was dying. Like, I mean, reality is you're dying. I'm dying. The person who's listening to this is dying. Um, You know, tomorrow you go to the doctors and they give you an unbelievable diagnosis. You get hit by a car. Like, anything's possible. And in our son getting his diagnosis of spinal muscular atrophy type 1 than them saying, hey, he probably won't make his first birthday. It truly changed how we lived. Mm. Um, You simplify, we had to simplify. even today, you know, I come in here we're doing all the things and we really just focused all of our care and attention on making the moments matter with our son. And I do say that it's a gift knowing that he had a very specific timeline. We lived with one foot um, in a world where we're like, he's going to have a miracle, he's going to be playing little league baseball, I'm going to be buying all the doctors and nurses like hot dogs and Cokes and we're going to celebrate him rounding the bases. And then the other part was like, What would we want to do at his funeral? Like, what else do we need to accomplish before he dies? Like, have a first snowball fight, be in the snow, you know, look at the stars, just simple things. And so we really chose to make the moments matter and to bring joy in that. I always just said, like, I think I kind of pictured myself if I was, you know, on my deathbed, how would I want it to look? And for me, I am someone that naturally gravitates towards joy, Um, and towards choosing the positive it's just I think such an incredible way to live because it is a choice and so that really affected us and I had definitely some down days but I also know that like because people die especially because my son died didn't mean that life stopped doesn't mean that you can just give up on things and I always say I have breath in my lungs and a beating heart. And legs that work. Like I have a purpose. And so I want to live that out. And for us, our story is really crazy because twelve years ago, 13 years ago almost, I met this family who had two kids with SMA and um at our church. And I just was like, Hey, can I help out your family? Like I've got some free time. Just feel it on my heart. I was totally nudged to ask this family if they needed help. They needed help. And that snowballed into, like, me taking them to my parents' farm for vacation and hanging out with them so their parents could go on vacation. And it turned into three weeks before my son got sick. We had just finished fundraising personally, $50,000, so hosted all these events, and then, like I said, three weeks later, my own son got sick and then later diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, the same disease that these kids had. I just knew that there was like, I mean, people call it the universe. I'm a Christian. I call, I believe in God. I was like, I don't know if you can get a more clear memo. <laughs> like, I think all of us are waiting for the memo of like, what am I supposed to do? Could you just send me an email? And like that legit was the email that came down. And with the disease, people are very typically very weak and very soft-spoken, and I'm typically neither of those. I'm very loud. I'm extremely aggressive um, and in your face. And I just feel like that's like what the disease needed. It doesn't have a ton of exposure. And I just found purpose in being like, okay, there's a greater fight to fight here. These families need help. There's not resources for them that we would hope. And so I just chose to be like, Lewiston's life wasn't wasted. It had purpose and it's propelled me into several different areas. One is which our foundation is. And I feel honored to be able to do the work that we're doing. And I asked myself, like, if it wasn't if it's not us who would do it. And right now the answer is we're meant to be doing the work. That could shift or change in someone else. It's not saying that we're the only people to be able to do the work, but right now we're in the position to be able to do the work. And my husband supports what we do fully and has allowed me to not go back to a corporate, you know, six till seven, nice cushy job with benefits and to be able to do all of the crazy things I want to do. And I feel really privileged that we get to journey alongside and we're making massive strides.
0: It's amazing. I, I mean, this becomes a bit of a cheesy retort, but in that, so I've become quite spiritual too. Um, not religious really per se, but I use the word God. But I remember we were. Uh, I was with my current psychiatrist and we mm-hmm. were uh, had this emergency at home. Our dishwasher had broken. You know, I was upset and angry and all this kind of stupid shit. And then when we finally need to replace it, we go to Lowe's and there's a sale on Bosch items. So when I went to the psychiatrist, I was like, holy fuck, can you imagine? Like, how lucky are we? You know, it, it just happened to be that week. They're on sale. And he's like, that's not luck. It's like, you we were ready to look and listen. Those things mm-hmm. always are there. hmm and then through my next few years of spiritual work, I'm beginning to f- feel, I have this more, my sister says I talk about myself too much on my podcast, but I have some anecdotal things. That's that are what like, sisters say. Yeah. <laughs> that I like, um, like that, that God's always, or the universe or life is always around us. Mm-hmm. And you talked about this nudge, this positive voice is always in our head. This, I, uh, you know, whether, oh, yeah, whether we turn into God or uh, uh, positivity, whatever word we use for it. But there's so many negative voices that we culture that are telling us why we shouldn't. So, for example, you walk by, let's say, a homeless person on the street. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, well, I hope most people don't completely not acknowledge them as human beings. and more just you come into this conversation like, oh, well, let's just use it for this. Or I don't want to fucking, or I don't have any money. But there's always that one that's like, I could do something. You mm-hmm. know, there's always that one little voice that we... Uh, maybe have learned to, I don't know. I'll have to watch my kid to see which voice he listens to more often than
1: not. <laughs> I, th- The book that I'm writing currently, uh, the tagline is uh, the nudges we get, the choices we make, the joy that comes there's nudges inside of all of us. I think it's just whether or not we choose to listen to them and how we choose to listen to them. Like people I know have been like, oh, I've been wanting to do this thing for eight years or, you know, and they just don't do the thing because they let fear take over or they let, you know, grief or whatever circumstances it is that's holding them back. I think typically it's fear um, or ignorance. And so that's where I've seen the most freedom is like every time I get nudged, like go talk to that lady, go do this thing, host Lewiston's birthday party, like celebrate his life in a rad way those have been like some of my most joyful mountaintop experiences
0: yes <laughs> i totally agree <laughs> right <with
1: you. laughs> like it's, it's crazy yeah. i think people would find more freedom if they listened to those nudges
0: yeah i mean it's why we're sitting here you know with some random dude uh, emails me after reading my magazine you know the old me would be like fuck him why would i go and meet somebody right but instead i'm like okay yeah let's go sit and then i meet kyle and kyle's an awesome guy when mm-hmm. we're hanging out how is that even plausible if I have this fear that, oh, what, yeah, like holding a door for somebody and they Mm -hmm. don't enter. Like what, what is the mind state of somebody that fears an open door? I mean, there's a, there's a metaphor suddenly in that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, that acting on positivity, this idea that you can, aren't meant to, and deserve to just be happy. That's a hard thing to communicate to people. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the adages that I've come across is pain is necessary, suffering is optional. So, mm-hmm. um, pain in many ways is the act of growing. You know, it hurts to grow, so you have to fall down so you know. What standing up is, you have to hit something so you know to avoid it, etc. But the suffering is like our, all our mind, like when you just dwell on, oh, but this is why it's, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, uh, and you can never let that go. But I love that I'm sitting in front of someone that presumably is an actor, right? You're going out and it seems like your whole life, you're ready to just listen to those positive nudges.
1: It's become easier in the last four years, maybe five years, where I've seen the power in responding to them mm-hmm. to make the choice to see the joy. So now if I get that nudge, like call this person, send this email, connect with whatever, I just do it. I do the thing. Because at the end of the day, what's the worst that happens if you follow through on the nudge? Right. Like what is the absolute worst, you know? And usually the worst isn't that bad. Maybe you get embarrassed. Maybe your pride gets knocked down. But for me on all of the nudges, um, we're working on a fourth fundraiser for a foundation called Lewiston's Game. I want to host Calgary's most exclusive poker tournament. And I was got inspired by watching the movie Molly's Game um, and Molly Bloom, famous like skier turned, you know, poker host tournament. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask Molly Bloom if she'll meet with me. Like, what's the worst that happens? She Within says, less than 24 hours, she responded and said, absolutely, however, I can help you. Yeah. Like that, the nudge to like email Molly Bloom <laughs> has been on my heart for six months, and I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing. Like, what if I tell people? And I'm like, no, screw it. And within like less than 24 hours, she's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm in Calgary this day. We'll make it happen. So uh,
0: like the flipping way is like the worst thing that happened. They'll say no. So who gives exactly.
1: a shit? Exactly. And you move on, and then the right person that was actually going to help you comes into your life.
0: Uh, not to overquote my shrink, but he also told me this. <laughs> this
1: I'm like, I got to get this guy's number. Yeah, this guy's awesome. Yeah.
0: And he, he um he said this. He goes. Uh, if you're planning to do a set project and, um, you know, nine out of 10 people or 90 out of 100 Mm -hmm. people say no, but you get that one person that says yes, that's still 100% success rate. Mm. And most people look at that as a 90% failure rate. And he's like, that's not failure. That's just the process of working through it. So you just got to go out and just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when, if it's supposed to land, when it's supposed to land, who it's supposed to land with, then it just, it it blooms. It becomes Mm -hmm. this next thing. I I've been listening to that a lot, too, because uh, it much to a lesser extent. I, uh, yeah, I'll meet any artist that wants to have a coffee. I'll, and Helen's keep, been asking me recently, like, you know, why do you keep meeting them in person? Why can't you do an email? I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, there's this thing where I want to acknowledge people, too. Uh, whether we end up working together, whether it becomes, you know, whatever part of the magazine or a show, becomes kind of secondary. Yeah. Um. I just, you know, maybe this is part of that why question. I just want to acknowledge human beings and just let them know that they're... Not alone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, too many people believe that they're just doing everything by themselves. But we're all here to hold hands with each other.
1: <laughs> and I think you see that in Calgary time and time again, especially I can speak from experience. People want you to succeed. They want to support you. They want, because just as much as they want to support you, they want their own dreams supported. And so you see that come through. And it'll, someone will remember that time. They're like, oh, this guy took time to have coffee with me. This guy took time to follow up, whatever it may be.
0: I hope. <laughs> We'll see. We'll do a follow up in like five years. they like, "Fuck, no, no, that's too cynical." Um, I got the signal from uh, from Kyle that he's we have to wrap up. He's saying we're boring. Up. Yeah, he's like, "No." Nope. Yeah, he's like, "Cut it off."
1: Cut it no. off. No one's going to listen to this.
0: <laughs> we'll have to re- reschedule. Reschedule. No, uh, he says we have uh, no more time. So I guess the final thought uh, from uh, things, yeah, what what should we plug? Where are you at next? And how do we find you? Or um, I don't know, how should we conclude this conversation? <laughs>
1: I think my biggest encouragement is if any, whoever is listening to this, um, I hope that this is the nudge that you need, that whatever has been on your heart, that you just go follow your dreams and know that it might not come today, tomorrow, or the next day. Um, but to go do the thing, um, the greatest successes in my life have come from running at the things that scares me. We use a line from a book that Levi Lesko wrote called Run Towards Roar, which is an analogy of how lions hunt and the female lion will chase prey into the male lion. The male lion actually never does any of the killing they just roar and usually the roar is so scary that the prey will run away from the roar and in circling back and not pursuing what they thought was or what they deemed to be super scary they end up getting clobbered and never see freedom. Whereas like if you run towards the things that are the scariest, um, that's where you'll see your most freedom. So I think that's my biggest message to impart in people is like follow your nudges, do the things, run after, run towards it. You'll see such great joy in that. And all of the ways you can find me, at Love for Lewiston, that's our website, that's our Instagram handle. Um, I'm My favorite social platform is Instagram for sure. Um, my stories I think are super real. The feed's a little bit more curated, just how it goes. Um, and I'm J.S. Jansen, so you can check me there. And our biggest events coming up is uh, Lewiston's birthday party, May 25th at Rodney's. Um, Lewiston's golf tournament, June 14th. And then stay tuned for Ride the Roof and Lewiston's game um, for the most exclusive poker tournament Calgary's ever seen. I've never hosted a poker tournament, so I have no idea how it's going to go. But I figure if we get Molly Bloom involved, it's going to be epic. So that's the, those are all the things about me.
0: I remember when uh, Texas Hold'em uh, blew up, we, every night we'd be playing it. Mm-hmm. So, so if I do come, uh, I will be donating a lot of money am <laughs> uh,
1: So you're one of the guys that I want there. <laughs> your, your buy-in will be continuous all the, night.
0: The problem being I don't have any money to actually buy in. But, yeah, uh, yeah if I get um, an exceptional amount of wealth before this happens and I sit down at a table, I'll yeah. be directing all the wealth there. Great.
1: Day. I love it. <laughs> it's all going back towards an amazing cause. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, thank you. Number one, thank you so much for coming and spending time with us, especially because you're about to pop. Uh,
1: I hope <laughs> my water's still intact, so I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, it's a Christian edge that I've come across in my spiritual reading, uh, but I think it goes uh, God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's something important in the sense that you got to go and act. So, mm-hmm. like your message, just I hope that this becomes a podcast where we can start telling people just. Kind of like fucking shut up and just go for it.
1: <laughs> Honestly, that if my mom, my mom will listen to this, so she'd be like, "Was it really reflecting of Jesus if you just say this?" I do swear a lot, so I'm trying to keep it clean here. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, just go do it. Yeah, I mean, you'll be amazed, and when you actually take the leap of faith to just shut up and do it. So hard, baby. You're
0: such a precious The song you've been hearing with the Perspectives podcast is a track called Gracious Host by local band Thomas Thomas. Check them out on Spotify. Six tracks, great listening, local talent. Check them out. Give them a play. Give them subscribe. Give me your support. Thank you, Thomas Thomas, for setting the tone for this year's Perspectives YYC podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Media Lab YYC. Here at Media Lab YYC, we help you share your stories with the public. Video, audio, business, personal, let us help you take your idea to the finish line.